Good morning, everyone. This is Elizabeth Husserl with Conversations with Money. And welcome to my spoken blog, aka a podcast, where I'll be sharing around my adventures with clients in the world as it pertains to our relationship to money and conversations with money and more of those deeper money archetypes that we navigate in this culture. And this morning, I woke up um, to the little news feed on my phone when I was brushing my teeth and getting ready for my day, and I'm starting to see to affect, like many of you, what are some of the actions that will stem from the president's executive orders that we've been seeing since he took office, and I just felt this tremendous amount of need to speak to them because, much like one of my friends posted on Facebook, many of them could feel maddening, extremely maddening. And allows us to, not allows us, invites us at times to go into this place of feeling powerless. And so as I sat there for a moment trying to figure out what can I do, you know, where can my voice be heard, which congressmen's do I have to call? And I realized, oh, that's not actually my action. I will certainly do that. But my action is offering a possible context of what are some of the deeper money dynamics that are at play here in the world. And I'll preface it by saying I don't necessarily have any solutions to the money dynamics that are going on, but I definitely have some context for it. And that's what I wanted to share today. And it stems from the New York Times article that I read on some of the first refugees that are being stopped at the border in New York. They were on flight already when the executive order got signed and they were stopped at La Guardia and not allowed to continue. And right now they're in the middle of a legal battle to see if they can reunite with their families who are already here. In so many cases, they've actually were helping the U.S. government on the other side from their country and they're being stopped at the border and unable to come in. And as that story just starts to boil in my blood of the injustice of families being separated. Uh, I've had my own family at times, not my my immediate family, but people in my extended family also separated for many years due to immigration issues. So I know what that feels like, or I know what it feels like for the people I love. And I couldn't, I couldn't be quiet. I couldn't sit still. And so what I'm here today to offer you is that what I'm seeing happening in the White House, and in particular with, with Trump, is this this reaction, this immense reaction to one of the money archetypes that are pretty predominant um, in our culture. And I see it actually, ironically, in a lot of women I work with, and it's the martyr culture. It's very naturally kind of this mother martyr culture or archetype where we can tend to overextend our resources because we are in the mode of taking care of everyone. So again, the easiest framework for that is just to imagine a mother who has her clan and is taking care of her clan and will often self-sacrifice herself for that clan. And that's very much where her identity is tied to. And there's a tremendous amount of joy that comes with it. But there's also a tremendous amount of uh, resentment that gets built because no one turns around and asks the mother, hey, what do you need? Right? What, what are, what about you? Who are you in all of this? And then the sons and daughters and um, just children, they grow up and they leave. And then she's oftentimes left empty at the end of it because she knew who her identity was. 
while she was a mother, but then there's not a lot of her own personal self-fulfillment that she's, that she has found along the way. And so I was just struck by this sense of imagine this clan, you know, of 20 kids. And because there's so many kids, there are some of the kids that are outside of the circle and some are on the inside of the circle. And so I just see this imagery of like our two coasts and then the, the middle part of the country and how those in the middle sometimes have a don't have an, don't can't quite reach access or resource to the mom because she's just so busy taking care of all these other children and then these children bring more children and just it's just one big pot of people and those in the middle have risen up to say enough and they want their share of resources actually what they really want is attention you know they're really loving the fact that they're getting attention and that's not that's not bad right everyone in that circle deserves attention everyone needs to be spoken to and given that one on one time and they're getting it so i can see from the martyr standpoint how our country has overstepped its responsibilities at times. I am in agreement with that. You know, we we can't be the country that is the end all savior. And in fact, being raised from a Latin American standpoint, a lot of countries don't want that to be the case too. They don't want a global mother. And you know, there's there's there is a necessary change in that paradigm that is emerging from all of this. But what I want to offer is that the mother or the martyr archetype its growing edge is to know how to better address boundaries and boundaries are not borders, right? Boundaries are not walls, you know, excuse me, the, the solution isn't for the mother to be, to create these really rigid walls around her heart that stops the love flow because then no one is fed. Right. Um, and so, it's tricky. It's a lot easier to establish concrete and rigid borders. It's a lot harder to have a dialogue around boundaries. And that's as far as I got this morning was just getting to this place of like, okay, we need to talk about healthy boundaries and healthy boundaries amongst all of us as a culture, healthy boundaries as we dance in the international and in, in other country scene. Like there's this conversation of healthy boundaries, which I really feel goes down to the heart of the action because what happens is that if we just start erecting walls and borders, we actually lose a sense of discernment of where those borders need to be. For example, as soon as I start to talk about healthy boundaries, I'm taken back last weekend to the Women's March where so many of the signs were around reproductive rights. I have the right to decide what happens in my body. And that is a healthy boundary. And when that martyr archetype starts to invade and say, oh, actually, I I think I know best. I I think I know best what you need to do reproductively, or I think I know best how you need to walk in this world with regard to your gender. Right then, we've started doing the exact same thing to our people that we're trying to change when it comes to understanding what the boundaries of our country are. So, <laughs> makes me want to say, you know, there is no consistent line in this administration, which I think that is the maddening part. There is no consistency, there is no 
philosophy or cosmology of groundedness that said, okay, we're applying this idea across the board because we're not. We're applying boundaries and borders. I said boundaries as borders everywhere that is affecting not just the way that people get in and out of our country, but it's also affecting the way that people in our country navigate their own ecosystems such as their cities, their neighborhoods, and more importantly, their families and their bodies. So my call to action is how do we become creative with this conversation of boundaries? How do we understand why people are wanting this conversation of boundaries? Many boundaries have been overstepped, and I think we could all agree many boundaries have been overstepped. And I feel like if we start to get to those places of where do we agree, then we can open dialogue. So my call is how do we start to shift our conversation from borders to those of boundaries? How does this pertain in your life? Where are the places where you're leaking in your boundaries? How do we start to create, you know, conscious dialogue? And a lot of it is nonviolent dialogue. How do you take responsibility for the places and where you've let your boundaries be maybe too fluid, where you've become resentful? And how do you take responsibility in asking for those things that need to change in our lives, but not from a place of attacking or hating others, but from a place of constructiveness and taking responsibility. So maybe this is part one of many, many podcasts to come as I ride this wave of the new administration right along with you. But I wanted to offer an insight from how I see the world, from my industry, from my work, from my experience. Welcome to questions and comments and welcome to continuing to speak about this deeper thread of money and resources with you because it's a huge piece of what's navigating and propelling a lot of these executive orders that are going into play. Um, People do want change that I can see, but how do we have change that encompasses a dialogue for all? And I'm not saying that we may see that in these next four years, but may this be a platform for us to really go into the next administration understanding how do all sides have a voice? Ashe.